Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today we want to continue by looking at Paul and Silas who, who cast out a demon from a slave girl and, event, and then ended up in jail themselves. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16. We'll read from verse 16 to 24. Acts 16 verse 16 to 24. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you speak your truths to us. Teach us your ways, that we may live freely and love you abundantly. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. As we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And they came out that very hour. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. wonder if you are surprised in this passage by the fact that a demon-possessed girl was able to recognize God and recognize the servants of the Most High God. We thought that demons were opposed to God, but this girl with the demons were proclaiming to everyone, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, isn't this strange that she was actually telling the truth about these two apostles, Paul and Silas, and affirming to everyone that these two were teaching the way of salvation and and they were the servants of the Most High God. So two questions, how does that exist? And perhaps the second question, why then did Paul get irritated? I mean, if she was advertising for them, then why didn't he just accept it and say, yeah, she's right? Let me answer the second question first because it's so much easier. Basically, one doesn't want to be served. A servant of the Most High God does not need or want advertisement from a girl, from someone who is demon-possessed. For obvious reasons, the one who is demon-possessed will also be involved in demonic works, works of the evil one, divination, which are all against God. And if this person at one breath says this is the, these are the servants of the Most High God, they are proclaiming salvation, and the next moment they are declaring lies and proclaiming uh, evil things, then what the, spirit has, what the evil one has done is that the evil one would have confused people 
into thinking that the Spirit of God is also involved in evil things. And that would have been disastrous for the cause of the faith. And so even though at this point the demon was proclaiming that this accurately, that these two men were teaching salvation because they were serving God, it would have gone against the gospel. We don't ever want to partner with the darkness, with the works of the evil one. Because one moment it may be affirming us, the next moment it will be doing something that's evil, dragging us and our name and our testimony along with them. But the more difficult question then, how is it possible that the demon would proclaim the truths of God? Well, let me tell you another story first and then I'll read to you a passage uh, that Paul wrote subsequently. When I was serving, working as a prison chaplain, I told you this, a bit of this story before, was called upon to minister to a man who had seemingly gone mad. He was smashing his head on the floor, leaving a pool of blood. He was eating plastic materials. He was pouring boiling water himself and boiling water at others. It was just totally self-destructive. <laughs> but one of the things I didn't tell you was that the voice who told him to do these things were actually telling him that these were punishments to atone for his sin. You see, the voice inside Michael, which was his name, kept telling him he could only read the Bible and nothing else. Now that sounded very spiritual. In fact, Michael for a moment thought that it was the Holy Spirit guiding him because the voice said, you must obey God, you must revere God. And therefore, the only thing that is clean and pure is the Word of God. And that is all that you should allow into your mind. Whenever you read something else, when you read a novel, when you read, when you read the newspaper, you would have defiled yourself. And smashing your head on the floor then was to atone for the sins of not just reading the Bible alone. Initially, I thought it was a great idea too. I said, I encouraged him, well, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit must be telling you to read more of the Bible. Why don't you do that? But Michael struggled because he needed to read more than the Bible. He re needed to read storybooks. I mean, how do you spend a whole day reading the Bible? He wanted to read newspapers. He wanted to read storybooks. He wanted to read other things that were educational. But each time he succumbed to that temptation, inverted commas, the voice would tell him to atone for his sin with something that was drastically self-destructive. And Michael felt bound by it. We couldn't figure out what it was until much, much later, when one day he quoted a passage from Isaiah where, he, where the Lord says, I am before you and I am behind you. I have laid my hand upon you. And the voice said, This is me. And I am always watching you to see whether you transgress or not. <clears throat> Constantly, I am in front of you. I'm behind you. I'm all around you. Watching over you non-stop to make sure that you do not transgress. Because the moment you transgress, I will punish you again. At that moment, something clicked. And I realized then that God would never say a thing like that. And in the context of Isaiah, that passage was about God's love for his people. 
that he would be behind them and in front of them to guide, to protect, not to watch and surveil over them. And then it struck me that this had to be an evil spirit. It was from then that eventually deliverance took place and he was delivered of the demons. But it was very, very deceptive. Some of the things, one of the things then I learned was that this spirit, evil spirit, was leading him deeper and deeper into bondage. It was not freeing. The Holy Spirit sets us free. This one gave him more and more guilt. It sounded right, it sounded holy. Read the Bible all the time, that's a wonderful thing. But it laid such a heavy guilt on him, it could only have come from the evil one. So, it is highly possible that evil spirits will masquerade as angels of light as the Holy Spirit, giving us half-truths about what can be, what, what is partly God's word, but basically the total opposite, the exact opposite of what it is. And let me read now from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 15. Paul was talking about super apostles, those who boasted of themselves. This is what he says, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. The end will be what the actions deserve. So let's look at a few characteristics of angels of darkness, of Satan and of demons themselves. Some of the characteristics we see in this story, that they enslaved the girl. The girl was a slave of someone else. But these spirits further enslaved her. They took charge of her and controlled her life and made her even further enslaved to her masters. Secondly, the masters used her then with all those powers to make more and more money to enrich themselves. The evil spirit uses people to profit those who control or those who think they are in control or whom the spirit controls. And so these are two characteristics. One is enslavement, and the other is enrichment. But the third that I learned from my friend Michael was that they lead to guilt. That's similar to enslavement actually, but it leads to deep guilt, a sense of shame, a sense of being bound, bounded by chains of guilt and, and self-righteousness and legalism. But that's the spirit. And we need to be very careful about demonic spirits who do that. Not everything that says God is praised is good. Often they may be simply the devil masquerading, masquerading as angels of light. But in this passage it goes further. In the passage in 2 Corinthians it goes further. It wasn't talking just about Satan. It was talking about the false apostles. The same principles apply. 
And perhaps these principles are more relevant to us than demons because how many of us encounter lying demons and have to cast them out? Some, but not as much. Not as much as those of us who have to encounter apostles, false apostles, people who exploit others with the gospel, but for their own purposes. And there are some things then that we must look out for. The first is legalism. We are very often tied down, even in our normal teaching, to legalism. People tell you you must do your quiet time every day. Now that sounds a bit like the demon that possessed Michael. Doing your quiet time is a wonderful thing. It is great. It is a time when you talk to God, when God speaks to you, when you love God. But when it becomes a rule, when it comes, uh, when it leads to shame, so often I have had friends, Christian friends, who say, I'm so ashamed of myself. I haven't read the Bible for a while. I'm so ashamed of myself because I haven't done my quiet time. And they really feel shame. Now that cannot come from the Lord who sets people free. That must come from the, from the powers of darkness. And if it is someone who says these things to you, then they are also apostles, not of God, but of the devil. Of course, not necessarily true that we have to say everyone, uh, every pastor who says that is of the devil. But at that moment when they're giving you such rules, then these rules do come from the devil. For God sets us free, the gospel sets us free. And any form of legalism is of the devil. Yes, do your quiet time. Spend wonderful time with God. But if you should feel ashamed, then that cannot be from God. Another one, of course, is tithing. And that is something that I need you to take seriously. There are churches who make it compulsory for you to tithe, to give a full tenth of your salary of everything you have. There are even churches that make you give more to enrich themselves. Churches becoming richer and richer. Pastors become richer and richer. Now the moment you see pastors make profit, great profits from the church members, you would have to beware because apostles of darkness would do just that. We see this in the story of Paul and Silas, that they use the spirit evil spirit to enrich themselves. The gospel of Christ is free and it is freely given lovingly. If someone profits from that, making huge amounts of money, of course getting a pay is one thing, but making huge amounts of money from that, always be careful because a servant, a true servant of God would never make huge profits, would never profit from the work work and the word of God. But there are also those who say you must tithe, you must give a 10% of all your income to the church, largely to the church, if you are a true Christian. And if you fail to do that, you will be shamed, you will feel guilty, you will feel lesser of a Christian. That, I say too, is of the devil, and I can say it very clearly, it is of the devil. Because God freely gave us His Son. And the Gospel is free. And the Gospel leads to freedom. This includes a freedom not to give at all. The only kind of giving that God wants 
is that from a grateful, loving heart. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, always a cheerful giver. That's the kind of giving God wants. And I encourage you, give freely, but give freely because you love God, because you so you're so grateful to Him. Give for those reasons. Let me give you an example. Supposing you, let's say just the father, it could well be the mother too, but let since I'm a guy, father takes his son or his daughter out for his birthday party, and you don't have very much money, not terribly rich, you're just lower middle class, but you know that your son loves steak, the best kind of steak. And so just for that birthday, you bring him to this most expensive steak restaurant. You look at the price of the steak and you know immediately that you can only afford one steak. Anyway, that was what you planned for. And so you buy your son this huge juicy steak. It comes, of course, with all the sides. But you know that your son, well, eats the sides only because he has to. What he's eyeing for is the steak. And so he's a um, um, climax eater. You know, climax eaters, they eat everything that they don't like first, starting with the things that they like least, and then they eat towards the thing that they love the most. And the one that they love the most, they'll eat last. And so you watch your son eating his vegetables, which he hates. He eats that first. He clears the way. Then he goes to the potatoes, because that's not bad, but not the greatest. He clears all that, and then he starts on the steak. He cuts from the outer ends, because the outer ends are generally drier, and not as succulent. And he cuts in a circular fashion, eating the sides of the steak. And slowly he moves to the centre. And as he reaches that centre, the most delicious, succulent part, he looks up at you, looks at his steak, takes his fork, stabs the, piece, the steak, that last piece of steak, and then holds it up and says, Dad, I saved the best for you. How do you think you would have felt? You might have cried. You might be tearing and saying, Son, thank you, you kept this for me. You would have felt a deep sense of love from your child because he would keep the very best for you. I think that's the only kind of giving that God wants. He's not interested in false giving, oh, you got 10%. I know of a church that deducts 10% from their staff, uh, from the staff's salary to give back to the church. But I really think that is not of God because God is not interested in our money. He's interested in our hearts. He's interested in the way we give what we have, our attitude towards Him. And if anyone ever teaches you that you've got to give because that's required of you, that's legalism, that leads to shame and that leads to bondage, it cannot be from God. Recognize when the gospel is truly preached, it is a gospel of freedom, a gospel of response in love to God. Anything else that leads to shame and guilt cannot be of the devil. And so even as you watch out for teachings, for Bible teachings, for 
uh, churches, if you were ever to plan to go to another church because you moved out of uh, uh, Taman Jurong or something, look out for churches that will not enrich themselves. Look out for churches that will not be legalistic, whether it is in time of um, service to God or attending prayer meetings or giving, tithing. And that's the other thing. When a church tells you, you makes you feel ashamed that you're not serving Him, God enough, that too is legalism. And often we fall into that trap too, as we say, oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. I've been in this church for 20 years and I, I don't serve God at all. Well, there's nothing to be ashamed about. But what I hope will happen is that you will love God so much, you will be so impacted by God's love for you that you want to serve Him because it warms your heart, because it fills you with joy as you see people being ministered to. And that's the only motivation that God wants of those who serve Him. So remember these points. First of all, that very often the devil can masquerade as an angel of light, telling you religious things, spiritual things. But at the end of the day, for his selfish ends or for someone else's selfish ends and leading to bondage. And the same can happen in churches, from pastors, from preachers. Let us take heed and always remember that the gospel is to set us free and to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. Let us pray. Father, we praise and thank you that you have set us free, that you have set us free from the law, you have set us free from legalism. You have set us free just to love you and to love our neighbour. And that there is no other requirement other than that we give our hearts to you. But Lord, then teach us to focus on that that our service to you, our giving to you, will never be out of an obligation, out of compulsion, that we will never serve you because we feel guilty about not serving you, or because we feel that we just have to do our bit. But cause us to serve you because we love you with all our heart, because we are grateful to you, because God, we want to offer our best, because you have loved us. Lord, we ask then that in all that we do, this may be our only motivation. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then now, have a blessed week ahead. And take time, continue to take time to talk to the Lord. And enjoy, enjoy Him. Thank you and God bless. Goodbye.